Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, Darren Mitchell here, host of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast, and welcome back to another brand new episode on this hump day, Wednesday, the 7th of September, 2022. I must say that it is getting lighter earlier, it is getting darker later, and uh, in where we are in the Macedon Ranges, it's great to see that the days are getting longer, which means we're getting closer to daylight savings, which means we're closer to summer, we're closer to warmer weather. Because it is still absolutely freezing. In fact, today, even though it's going to be about, oh, I think about 18 degrees Celsius today, it is still hovering around about 8 degrees as I'm recording this particular episode. Now, you're not here to listen to me rabbit on about the weather. You're here to listen to me talk about all things sales and sales leadership. So I greatly appreciate you plugging in for yet another brand new episode. And in today's uh, today's topic, it's all about mindset. Now, mindset is, and this sounds really, really obvious when you say it, it's really, but it is incredibly important in sales, and especially as a sales leader. If you think about the example that we set and the environment that we create, it stands to reason that as a sales leader, we have to have a pretty switched on, pretty optimistic, pretty positive, forward-thinking mindset. Now, if you listen to yesterday's podcast where we are talking about failure and how failure is not final and how you deal with that, it's all about making progress. It stands to reason then that if you're able to deal effectively with things that don't necessarily go well, you have to have a really good mindset when it comes to sales, but also when it comes to setting the example for your particular team. Now, for many years when I've been facilitating uh, sessions with teams and certainly with sales teams and also sales leaders, I've often shared with them a formula for exceptional performance, which came from the Rogen SI days. And the formula is all about exceptional performance has three key components that you add together, which is knowledge, uh, a process, and a skill set. And all of those are multiplied by the fourth component, which is mindset. Now, if you think about it, and just think about the role that you play in your particular team or any particular career you've had since you've been on this earth, and if you think about your level of success, these components would have been in place. Now, to be exceptional, the accelerator or the multiplier will be mindset, which we're going to talk about today. But in order to be effective in the role, you need to have a certain level of knowledge. So you need to know a little bit about what you're doing. You need to know, certainly if you're in a sales role, you need to know a little bit about your product. But remember, your customers don't want your product, but you still have to have a level of knowledge about your products, your services, what makes them great. Also have a knowledge about the industry, knowledge about the customers you're dealing with, knowledge about trends and technologies that potentially can shape the future of the industries and future of your customers' businesses. So there has to be a level of knowledge. And many people often say to me, yeah, I'm doing a lot of reading, I'm doing a lot of courses, I've done a lot of degrees, and I've accumulated all this knowledge, and they think that's powerful. But when you look at it, most of them have not actually done anything with it. So whilst there needs to be a level of knowledge, that in and of itself will not give you power and certainly won't enable you to be exceptional in what you do. There needs to be a skill set applied to that. And when I say skill set, this is the doing part and applying that knowledge. So great salespeople have a great level of skill set. They know how to have a conversation. They know how to engage effectively with a customer. They know how to handle difficult customers. They know how to handle objections. 
They also know how to ask a question so that they can actually get a sale and convert a potential customer who may have had a level of interest or level of curiosity into now a paying customer. And hopefully, if they continue to apply that level of skill set, that customer can turn into a raving fan. So they need to have a level of skill set. The third component is a process. Now, this could be a process flow if you're in a operational type role. Could be a project plan in the sales realm, it's the sales methodology or it's the sales process. What is the three or five step sales process that we take every single customer through that enables us to drive consistency, replicability, and hopefully sustainability as long as we've got the first two in place. We've got the skill set and we've also got the level of knowledge. And by the way, the, pro the right product. Remembering though, customers are not interested in your product. So you need to follow a process. So if you've got those three key components in place, the knowledge, the skill set, and the process to follow, then for all intents and purposes, you're well on your way to being a great performer. What separates the great performers from the exceptional performers is a thing called mindset. And you take those three components and multiply it by mindset, and that's where exceptional performance comes into it. So here's the question. Are you aware of your mindset. Now, what we do know is mindset directly impacts performance and hence results. And more specifically, and sometimes uh, <laughs> more drastically uh, for some sales leaders, uh, your mindset as a sales leader can rub off directly on your team. Remembering your team is and always will be a reflection of you. So it's really interesting actually to work with some sales leaders who are overseeing teams and those teams certainly in their eyes, that is the sales leader's eyes, are not performing at the optimum level. They're not delivering the results that the sales leader is expecting or that the senior leaders are expecting. And when I just observe them, observe that is the sales leaders, I can see that perhaps the mindset is not necessarily in the place that it needs to be because the conversations that the person's having, they're not coming from a position of um, gratitude. They're not coming from a position of empowerment or engaging or challenging the individual salesperson or the sales team collectively, what they're doing more than more often than not is trying to plug gaps. They're being quite critical, quite judgmental, and it's almost like this us versus them type of mentality, which only exacerbates the issue with the team, their mindset, their actions, and ultimately their results. Now, often in workshops working with, with teams, I will share a concept known as playing from a 10. Now, it sounds really, really simple, and many of us, many people tend to scoff at it, and they almost look at it as if, oh, this is just the fake it until you make it type of society that we're actually continuing to expand, and it's not that at all, because each of us have a choice, and the whole purpose of today's podcast episode is to recognize that, you know what, we have control over our mindset, we can consciously choose to be in a certain mindset, choose the language that we use, and therefore we have a higher level of control over the actions we take and therefore the results that we get. And so playing from a 10, it's a very legitimate strategy to be more engaged, to be more energized, and certainly to be more optimistic. Now, what this is all about, it's it's instead of the faking it until you make it, what I, how I sort of canvas this, it's, it's acting as if, and it's getting the people and getting yourself to start with as a sales leader to act as if, you were a 10. Now, 10 out of 10 represents the perfect mindset. One out of 10 represents a not so great mindset. And when you think about it, there are days when you wake up when you're just not feeling it and your mindset is well below a five. And just think about on those days, how creative are you? How optimistic are you? And what sort of language do you find yourself using, not just verbally to others, but also the conversation you have in your head? And I can tell you without 
any fear of contradiction that that conversation you're having is not great. Uh, and you're more likely to look towards the negative because as human beings, we are more almost hardwired to believe the negative first of all. So if our mindset is below five, it's going to be a lot easier for us to believe all the things that are bad in the world and all the opportunities that we're not going to win and the fact there's no opportunities out there and the customer's going to do this, customer's going to do that. The glass is going to be very, very much half empty. On the contrary, if we can actually act as if we're a 10 out of 10, all of a sudden we're going to start thinking a little bit differently. We're going to start to see opportunities that perhaps we haven't seen before when our mindset wasn't at a 10 out of 10 or at least above a 5. And we're starting to act more and more as if we are a 10. Now, to be exceptional, we must embrace what I call an inside-out approach, which is all about being intrinsically motivated as we have more control. And one thing I want to make really clear here, this, this particular concept around positive mindset or 10 out of 10 mindset, this is not some woo-woo positive psychology, positive thinking, wish for a bicycle and all of a sudden it's going to manifest type of stuff. It's actually a legitimate strategy that has been tried and tested by science and I've actually used it for many, many years and I'm using it with all my clients as well. It works. It means that we have to have more of an inside-out approach and there'll always be though things that are going to happen that have the capacity to knock us off our axis. And I call these things little pricks. Little pricks are always happening. And these things happen when you least expect it. It's the pressures that are always on you as a leader. It's the customer that doesn't return phone calls. It's the senior leader who, for all intents and purposes, even though they might think they mean well, all they're looking for is, is blame and uh, somebody who to be a scapegoat for when things don't go right. It's those kind of things that have the capacity to have an impact on our mindset which, by the way, can translate into how our, how our actions are going to be delivering results. So this is why mindset is such an important thing, and the pressures will always be there. The worst approach we can take is what I call the outside-in approach, which unfortunately many, many leaders take, and they're at the mercy of the things that happen to them, and it affects their mindset, which therefore affects the behaviors and therefore affects the results they get, but also the result, results that their team gets. One of the things we have to be really, really crystal clear on is that we don't live in fairyland. Now, if you believe in, in unicorns and all that sort of stuff, then that's well and good. And if you're one of those positive psychology, always looking at the glass half full, that's also good. But there needs to be a level of reality according to that. And that is, there's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be problems. And as we talked about yesterday, there'll be elements of failure that happen. But as long as we take the lesson from it and continue to move forward, then we're all good, which comes back to, guess what? Mindset. There's always going to be challenges that we cannot necessarily avoid. So in order for us to deal with those effectively, it just stands to reason that we've got to take an inside-out approach. And when we do that, even though we may not necessarily be able to have full 100% control over the outcome, what we do have control over is the actions that we take, which therefore can have a positive impact on the results that we get. But here's how most people operate, whether it be sales leaders, salespeople or just general population, they tend to live from the outside in. And how often do you hear people allocate blame to something or somebody else as to why they are not in a position they thought they would be or why they didn't get the result they were hoping for or why somebody across them didn't do the right thing, etc., etc. You hear it all the time. And the classic example is getting cut off in traffic. You're driving down the freeway and all of a sudden somebody cuts you off in traffic. What is the most common reaction from the vast majority of the population. Well, I don't even have to read minds here because I know because I've got from personal experience, most of us will actually toot the horn. We might actually take evasive action. We might even start to abuse the person. We might even give the one, two finger salute. 
And in some extreme cases, we might even speed up, try to overtake that person, have a look at them and look to see, yep, they are the moron that I thought they were. And what we tend to do is we react to this. So we externalize the event, we blame the external event, we blame the person to cut us off in traffic for us therefore feeling a certain way and therefore we will react to that. When that happens, it's almost like what we call a synesthesia, which the event happens and almost uncontrollably, we instantaneously react to that. And when we do that, we sometimes lose a level of control in terms of over our actions. Emotion starts to run wild. And often the result of that is not necessarily a great result because it's almost just a byproduct of the reaction that you took. So there's no real control over the actions. Therefore, there's no real control over the result. And you hear this all the time, people blaming people. Oh, my sales manager wouldn't let me do this. Or if only marketing would give me the proper level of leads. Or if only I had a CRM system that would work. Or you know, add in any other excuse you want to listen to and hear because you're probably hearing it every single day. It's the people that who externalize and do not take responsibility that who give you an insight into who is actually living their life pretty much from the outside in. They're blaming everybody else for the predicament they find themselves in and not taking responsibility for it themselves. And when they don't take responsibility, it's very, very difficult for them to be able to get out of that particular situation. And look, let's be honest, it's very easy to cast dispersions on others. It's very easy to blame others. And it's very easy to avoid taking responsibility. Just look at a lot of the governments around the world who've been doing this and making it an art form over the last number of years. There's a better way. And as sales leaders, we have the responsibility, but also have the obligation to operate more from the inside out, to remember that the example we're setting will rub off on our team, remembering, of course, that the team is a reflection of us. And instead of reacting to certain things, we need to create some space between an event happening and then us choosing what we do in response to that. So the formula I often cover with teams, I I call it the resilience formula, and it's not necessarily about specifically resilience, but it's more about choosing our responses and just giving us some time to contemplate, to analyze, to think about, and to consider what's actually happened so we can better choose our response to it. It's a concept or a formula known as E plus R equals O. Now, when you think about E, the event is something happens. Could be that person that cuts you off in traffic. Now, instead of reacting instantaneously to that, Before we do anything, we then go to, okay, this event has just happened. What is the outcome that I'm looking for here? Now, classic example, many years ago, I was doing some work with Australia Post and I was doing some leadership. And this particular day, I was up in Sydney, traveling from the Rooty Hill RSL to one of the Australia Post sites up in Sydney. And uh, I was going through a roundabout. And at the same time, I was was going through a roundabout uh, about, well, a split second after that, there was this garbage truck that also entered the roundabout, but he didn't look to his right. So I'd already entered the roundabout. He thought it was okay to keep going. So he's come into the roundabout in front of me, and I've slammed on my brakes. Now, I was I was in a hire car, and a hire car at the time, I think the excess was about $4,000 in relation to any accident, irrespective of who was at fault. So it would have been very, very easy for me to yell at him, to swear, to chase him, to even start a fist of cuffs, but reacting to that and having no control really over the outcome. I was actually going though to teach leadership to a group of uh, Australia Post leaders, and I needed to be on my best behavior, first of all, but I has to, had to be in the best, best shape I possibly could so I could give everything I could to help those particular leaders. So the outcome I was looking for is, hey, I need to be calm, I need to be cool, I need to be focused, and I need to be optimistic, I need to deliver a great outcome for that team on that day. 
So when I had, and this all happened a split second, I then came back and said, okay, this event has happened. This is the outcome I'm looking for. What's the best response I can put in place for this situation so that I can still maintain my calmness and still get to my outcome and deliver the outcome I needed to for that particular day? So I then chose my response. And my response was, you know what? I still tooted my horn, but instead of carrying on like a pork shop and carrying that level of emotion right throughout the day, I pretty much tooted my horn to let him know I was there. He was completely oblivious. I then said, okay, he didn't see me. Have a great day. I, I might have said something like, have a great day, dickhead, or something like that. But once that was done, I flushed it. And so that event no longer had any control over me. Now, that's a really, really powerful formula, and it's a really simple yet profound method to control our responses to everything that happens to us. And it presupposes we have to have a positive mindset. Now, here's the crux of it. The plus sign that sits between the event and the response is where the gold is. And the plus sign is what we call the perception. This is where we can choose our response. This is where we can start to analyze, hmm, what has just happened there? And there's a word I'm going to use here, and that word is fascinating. In fact, I might even put fascinating as part of the title of this particular episode. Now, we've got to be really conscious as to how we use this word. And what I'm going to suggest is most of the time, you will not be using this word verbally to others but you will be using this in your head. Now, what it, what it means is when an event happens, you're going to look at that event and before you do anything, you're going to think about what is the outcome I'm looking for here and then you're going to think about, well, that's fascinating and fascinating leads to a level of curiosity and it leads to thinking about what is your perception but it also starts to think, okay, am I going to now live from the inside out and therefore choose my response or am I going to be impacted by and influenced by that event to the point where I'm now going to blame and I'm going to react to it. So the fascinating part is a level of curiosity that you bring to the table to think, wow, that's fascinating. And in the case of the garbage truck going through the roundabout, using the word fascinating made me start to think about, wow, what must have been going through that person's head at that particular time to lead him to make that decision to go into the roundabout and not even see me? Fascinating. Now, he had he probably had no control over that and probably didn't even see me he might have been on his phone. He might have been listening to the radio. Who knows? And quite frankly, who cares? But the, the thing is, I could have let that event completely impact my entire day. And that would have had a roll-on effect to the people I was dealing with that day of not having a great experience. Instead, I actually chose my response. I could flush it. And then I could focus all my attention on making sure that the team that I was working with that particular day got the very best version of me they could and got the best out of themselves through the impact they had through that particular program on that particular day. So the fascinating part is is a really, really key word that allows us to create some space to be curious and really seek to understand what must be going on in that person's world in order for them to choose that particular course of action. And it removes a lot of judgment. And what that does, it enables us to be less impacted by a lot of the stuff that's going to happen. So just using that word fascinating creates a little bit of space to consider. Now, one word of warning, please, if you're going to use this out verbally, please use your discretion because I've often had people come to me and said, oh, I had one of my team members uh, come to me and said, oh, I was late today, boss, because my cat died. And I turned around and said, well, that's fascinating, but not really understanding that the cat was the world to that particular person. So that became very, very condescending. So please use this in a uh, discretionary way. But the word fascinating will enable you to contemplate what's just happened, enable you to check with your mindset, enable you to think about how is the best response that I should be putting to this particular situation, 
And when you choose your response, you have a much higher control over the outcome that you get. So I trust that message helps. I trust that message makes sense. That is just fascinating. So if you are fascinated to know more, uh, love to have a conversation with you and love the opportunity of working with you and help you take your sales leadership to an exceptional level and in the process, help your team do exactly the same. So when you're ready for that conversation, please go to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time, we'll jump on Zoom, have that conversation and uh, get working as early as when you are ready to get working. So uh, look forward to that conversation. And as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.